millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to our podcast, Recall the Midwife. We watch an episode of Call the Midwife and talk about it. Today, we are discussing Series 6, Episode 6. I'm Alex. I'm Becky. I'm Jen. A reminder that this week's episode deals with female genital alteration and mental health issues. So if those topics are ones you'd prefer to skip this time, we understand and hope you join us for the next one. Can I skip this week's, by the way? Because I've found this really hard. Sorry, carry on, Bex. You you don't get topped out, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This week's episode is set against the backdrop of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Sister Mary Cynthia remains at Lynchmere Hospital, much to Sister Monica Jones' distress, but she's making progress and is moved on to a general ward, which means that Sister Julianne and Sister Monica Joan are able to visit and eventually bring her home to Nanata's house. We meet Nadifa, whose husband expects to send her back to Somaliland to give birth to their first child. But when she starts experiencing pain, she's seen by Nurse Dyer, who informs her that the baby is due any day. When Nadifa comes along to the clinic, they discover that she's been circumcised, which means that she won't be able to give birth without medical intervention. Nadifa is traumatised by the procedure that was carried out when she was a child. So when she goes into labour, she hides it. But with Nurse Dyer's help, she gives birth to a daughter. Meanwhile, Cynthia continues to struggle and Dr Turner arranges for her to be admitted to Northfield, where he also received treatment. Dr Turner and Sheila move house. Delia pines for Patsy. Trixie rebuffs Christopher's advances, but with the threat of nuclear war hanging over Poplar, she agrees to a date. And Sister Winifred is still learning to drive. Whoa. <laughs> Girls, we haven't said this in a long time, but I just felt like after watching last night's episode that I had to say this again. Throwback to our earlier podcast episodes, but like this episode had so much going on. Jen, yeah, we literally oh say my- it in every single podcast. 
every single oh, time. I, <laughs> I, I feel like we haven't said in a while, but I just, like, oh my gosh, I felt like really overwhelmed. I was like, oh, this oh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Like, I just was like, wow, like it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then like just storyline after storyline. And I was like, oh my word, what's going on here? So I, I genuinely nearly a- fainted like three times. Oh, this genuinely. episode was a tough one. I, I got queasy myself, which I'm not usually a queasy lady, but. I thought this episode might be triggering for you, Jen, because of Sheila and Dr. Turner moving house. It was! It was! It <laughs> oh, was. yeah, I... let's do updates. Let's do updates. Jen? Oh, okay. Well, dear sweet listeners, I have moved. I have officially moved. Yay! We closed on our house a couple weeks ago, and since then it has been crazy getting settled and unpacking boxes. And when I literally... <laughs> saw the turners going through their move i was like i should have put a trigger warning in about that for myself because it was like you know and she was like oh well you know i've packed like you know one box each for you and basically for tim and patrick dr turner because they have to like give away a lot of their stuff before they go and and tim said something like he was like why is why is uh you and angela's box like so small and ours is so big and she's like well we don't have the tendency towards hoarding like you two and i was just (laughs) like oh my god the roasting but in our family that's my mom Mom is the Dr. Turner and I'm I'm the Sheila. So anyways, but yes, I have moved and it's all wonderful and it's all horrible and terrible and you know a huge headache. Oh lovely though. We're so. looking at your house right now. We've had a tour. We love it. Yeah. yeah, we had a tour last week because what we also did last week, listeners, we lost an episode. So then we started to record the episode again. And then it just randomly was, turned up on which the was awful. Uh, the re-record was awful, but oh, then it was lovely. terrible partway through the old episode popped up so then we just got a house tour (laughs) last week's episode was so terrible because i was in the world's worst mood and i shall tell you for why (laughs) (laughs) uh so you may recall i did a netball injury which was i don't know how many weeks ago on the actual podcast but in real life it's coming up to 11 weeks and basically I found out that I need a whole ACL reconstruction surgery and um, oh. so they've got to graft some of my hamstring and it's just an absolute not just from netball and also a meniscus surgery as well so I'm really pleased <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a lot better mood than I was last week so yeah oh, I was just a was bit really tough in shock and a bit angry last week yeah but so. you do get two weeks off post-surgery yeah it with your knee up yeah well I'm gonna have to yeah yeah, yeah, so in four months, when you get two weeks off, it's going to be really nice. That's going to be great. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to love being in horrific pain. Well, the thing is, it's like, it's the, our two situations are not really analogous, but I'm just going to like force them to be for this one little moment. Like, it is really wonderful, obviously, getting reparative surgery that will then bring you back to health. And like, it is really wonderful, like moving into a new house and like getting to be settled and all that kind of stuff like that. But the thing you have to go through to get there is really, really tough. And girls, when I tell you that like, we had a plumbing issue, we had a this issue, like we had to get appliances, then we had to do that. Like, it's been basically like one thing after another for like these first two weeks and like for the moment I think we've got it all figured out like but oh it's just it's a it's a hard it's a hard jump to get through Jen is for our listeners Jen is basically living the turn as well I am like because you've moved into a 1960s I have I have yeah I when I saw when I saw their house when I saw the price of their house did you guys see the for sale sign? I yeah. was like, my eyeballs fell out of my head officially. But yeah, basically, like we both moved into a house built at the exact same time. I and also I live like, in a 60s I love house. it. 
I love it. I, I think I think houses in this era are beautiful and it's one of the things that really sold us on this home. And I my one of my favorite features in the whole house is I have a teal bathroom. Like all the tiles are teal and they're so beautiful. And anyways, they so are. We, say, we, can, we can actually vouch for that. Yeah. Now shall we go on to the episode? Actual, call the midwife, what we're actually here to talk yeah. about. People and who I, never yeah. listen to us are like, who are these people? What are they talking about? <laughs> and why do we care about their personal lives at all? <laughs> And I think we should start with Nadifa's storyline just to get sure. it over because oh. Oh. Alex nearly fainted three times. I just, I just can't. I just. Oh, I will <laughs> say they they did a good job of tackling a really really tough issue in yeah. probably the most in probably the best way in terms of like it was kind of like a tell don't show kind yeah. of. A, energy with it now was it still really really like tough because obviously your imagination will do its own work but like i mean hats off for for even like going there because this is this is a tough topic i did think because to me that it's completely alien and i also didn't want to google any pictures Mm. but i thought it was clever use of the doll yes yeah very much very much yeah now i actually do have some experience when i say experience not physically but i (laughs) <laughs> I when I when we were at uni in the second year gen when you'd gone back to America we were yeah. living there where we were and I had I did women's studies some I didn't do women's studies as a main subject but I did a few lectures of women's studies and one was a film on female genital mutilation is what they called it oh, in, you know 20 years at ago at the time yeah yeah and I got to the first basic title and then I fainted fell into the <laughs> <laughs> fell into the like the aisle because I was sat on an aisle seat whacked oh. my head really hard and oh. basically woke up with blood everywhere with loads of people all surrounding me being like are you okay and I ran out I lost have looked absolutely insane I just ran out of there and then oh. met our friend who we weren't really that friends with like this this boy we knew and he was like <laughs> the head injury blood pouring down my face and he was like panicking like are, are you okay <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, he took me home on the bus and, and, to, and took me back to our house to make sure I was okay and you were there Bex do you remember yeah I do I do now you've reminded me of it <laughs> <laughs> you were at Bex you were at the house already yeah yeah, yeah. she was at the house yeah. and uh, they kind of just took me in and I had to just sit down and they tried to make me go to the hospital and I was just just um, really embarrassed and it was just really awful so I don't actually um, know anything about the subject because <laughs> I just fainted and ran the- out you got to the title card of the movie and then you were like, nope, I'm not doing this at all. I just, I'm just the world's most squeamish. Even even if it was like a leg injury or anything, it just oh, it just sends me west. Yeah. Well, well I th- in terms of terminology, I think FGM is still used because the NHS, the World Health Organization, Bernardo's, the NSPCC, UNICEF, everyone's still using it. Okay. I I switched it to alteration just because I'd heard I'd heard some things about you know because th- part of it part of it that's tough is it is a cultural norm and a cultural tradition yeah. for the people that do it and i have heard that over now and listeners just to say if anyone knows more about this and we're getting anything wrong like please feel free to correct but i have heard that it's been been much and much less practiced um in recent years and that it's you know started to really go away and for people who are in that culture or in that you know kind of group i don't you know whatever I mean, obviously, they're the guides in terms of like what the thing is. But I mean, it's still I mean, the range of stories that you hear about it, if you, you know, kind of talk about it at all is are very vast, you know what I mean? Like, there's some that are much, you know, quote, easier, kinder, whatever you want to say. And then there's some that are really, really very tough, you know, painful stories to hear about the kind of person who's doing the procedure, like what's done to the 
you know, person well, who's having the procedure done to them. And then, you know, even, even Nadifa, like she says, like, it was done to me. And then my legs were tied together until I was mm-hmm. healed, which well, I mean, oh, my, on, God, like, oh my God. Let's talk about Nadifa while we're here. While we're yeah. here. Okay. So for context, Mrs. Farah or Nadifa, she's a lady from Somaliland. And she is staying with her husband over here. So he's a he's a sailor. And she's quite unusual in her culture. Apparently, most people stay, but she was like, maybe their husband's not as fit as mine. <laughs> I'm not really sure I agree on that. Anyway, um, <laughs> but she thinks she said, she's she seven said months- most people in my culture do what? Stay at home. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Stay yeah. at home. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she thinks she's seven months pregnant, but Valerie sees her because she thinks she's actually closer to nine because she has a bit of a turn, doesn't she? And her husband yeah. goes to get someone. Also, the fact is that she's supposed to be going away. They got a ticket that morning. And she was supposed to be going back to Somaliland to give birth. Yeah. But imagine that boat ride, heavily, heavily pregnant. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, girls, don't get me started. Like, can you imagine anything worse than being, even if she was only seven months pregnant, than being seven months pregnant, being plonked on a boat for however many weeks to exactly. get back down there? Well, I, mean, I get seasick, so I can't same. imagine Oh, I get so seasick too. Yeah, no, no, and no amount of Dramamine or those like weird plastic bracelets are going to do anything. No, 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 no. (laughs) I was, I was off balance when you're pregnant. (laughs) Your tummy is so far out. You would like fall over if the boat was rocking. Oh no, 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 no. No, I was quite annoyed by her because she was so unprepared. Like she literally had nothing, and then later on in the episode, somebody else gave her some nappies. But now I realise that she thought she was only seven months. So actually, yes. Yeah, she thought she was going to have everything abroad. Yeah. Like she thought she was going to go back to Somaliland. So she's also but she got. She didn't want to go back. No, she was. She was. If she could have, she yeah. would have hidden that ticket. Yeah, well, exactly. She, but she also yeah. lived with her little sister Decca, and I don't know why say, she was going to school here. They didn't really explain that. But Decca was like, she looks like she was in her twenties at least, and then Decca looked like she was like ten. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, huge age gap there. So. I didn't yeah, think but it was I still sister, don't understand I, why first, she was but... going to school here if Nadifa I... was only staying here for a few weeks. I think Decca was was no, created as think... a character to illustrate the storyline, not not because it was like, oh, this makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, like, but I don't, I don't think she was. I th- don't think she was just staying here for a few weeks. I think she was living here permanently. She would go have yeah. a baby and come back. No, no, but but Decca was gonna. Right. At, she was she was living here permanently as well and we're like well why yeah. was she even here at all but the thing is like i don't think she i don't think that was like i what i think they created the character of Decca to facilitate the story because she was a young lady who was so interested in medicine like growing up in like modern england and every like western england and like all that kind of stuff and she was going to school and she wanted to be a nurse and she cared about everything medical and you know all that kind of stuff like that and then in the storyline she is being called back to somaliland to have the procedure so that she can be you know like appropriate as a woman clean for, is what they said for their culture yeah clean. clean and you know like good for her husband and all that kind of stuff like that so even so i think to me Decca like was a character that existed to kind of show the juxtaposition between modern western culture and i don't want to take the word the word modern away from the somali culture but like old modern practices. modern Somali, yeah like, 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 like older, too- older traditional practices of that like homeland which is somaliland in this case and kind of like how the old world was meeting the new world and then it was kind of clashing it it felt like to all of us it was clashing a little yeah. bit so I anyway think, yeah. Nadifa goes to clinic because Valerie's checked up on her and she's like come to clinic on a Tuesday just so we can keep an eye on you just to see how you're yeah. doing 
because obviously they've discovered she's nine months pregnant and not seven. So she's well, not had she any. She didn't have any prenatal up. care either. So, exactly. I mean, they don't so know she had no she's... checkups, anything. So Valerie does an examination and she's never seen anything like it. So luckily Barbara's with her. She says so she shows Barbara. Now Barbara has also not seen anything either. So they discuss. I thought and, they and... both could have had a better poker face though with Nadifa, to be honest. They, they never ha- They never have a good poker. They were like, oh my God. And it was just like, hey, why are you scaring this poor woman? Like, come on now. I know they were shocked, but. So they refer her to the London where mm-hmm. they go and no, see a man. Cuthbert. Oh, is it St. Cuthbert? Sorry. Where they go to yeah. see a man doctor, which she's very uncomfortable with because in Somaliland, the wom- a woman does the procedure, not a man. Yeah. So she's very uncomfortable with that. And Well, and just generally too, like having a man she doesn't know, like look at her and like, you know, like do all of that. I mean, it was very, that's very verboten. Actually, so. that's true. All my gynecologists have been men. Not that I've had thousands that make me sound like no, Really? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I've never, I've never had a, I've never had a man gynecologist. Did you, you, you didn't get to choose? No, I've had. Well, it, it's, it's <laughs> like when Gloria was in with, when Sheila was in hospital and Gloria was in the bed next to her, and it was mm-hmm. the same specialist, Mister Kenley, and he just like there's no, I don't know, it's awful when you have to. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a man gynecologist. I'll tell you that much. No, I would not do it. Well, anyway, she went there. He said. What the second any labour starts, you need to come straight back here. We need to do a an episiotomy, an elective episiotomy, and you know she needs to go into labour here. You know, yeah. she, the second it starts. Anyway, Valerie goes to make her a cup of tea because you know that solves everything. And okay, can I just can I just pause you for one second? It does there? help. I, let's be honest. No, I just I just made a note though because like to me that was a real that was a real like miss for Valerie and like I love Val, but I'm just saying like I wrote this note the scene with with the doctor Nurse Dyer missed it in that moment and I really think she did because Nadifa was in there with whatever that doctor like having him like you know say all the things he was gonna say and he wasn't like he was actually comparatively nice than some of the other scenes with women previous yeah. where he was where he's just basically like oh this you know human body needs this be-, you know like not even like it's a person laying on the table but then like you could tell that Nadifa was so like upset you know what I mean like she was not in a good headspace when she was having that done and then the doctor left and she was still had the skirt you know like just anyway she still felt exposed and like very vulnerable and like I feel a bit traumatized and then Valerie was like okay you know like I could really like go for a cup of tea and a biscuit like I'll get you one and everything and and she just like like patted her hand and then like walked out of the room and I was like you you're you're I don't know I I just was like talk to her ask her how she's doing like are you okay what are you feeling like is you know like you know what else I really liked about that scene though when she walked into the hospital bed and she saw that she wasn't there anymore she left the scarf conveniently for us to all know like we're all really thick like for us all to know (laughs) oh hang on there was the defer in this bed a minute ago but in case you missed it she's not there anymore but a scarf is (laughs) yeah i just yeah there were also one other thing Uh, that i really loved about this storyline was decker they were talking about decker loving uh being wanting to be a nurse and barbara was really loving her and saying how she saw her in her whenever she was younger, like she really sees herself in her from when she was younger. She said she was yeah. almost anything to do with medical stuff, particularly venereal diseases. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it for like a vicar's daughter. Oh, Barbara, Barbara. Yeah. So at this stage, Nadifa is very much, I think she's got PTSD. Oh, same, yeah, same. definitely, 100%. So going to the hospital, seeing Mr. Kenley, it's really triggered her. I, I, do you think at that point she's gone into labour or do you think that triggers her going into labour? I don't know. I think maybe because it's around the time anyway. I think this panicking situation won't help. Running off won't help. Doing all that exercise to get out of the hospital. Yeah. You know, she's not She's not gone at a slow pace, has she, to get out of there. Maybe running home basically won't have helped and she does then go into labour. 
But Valerie then tries to knock on the door and no one's in, she thinks. But obviously she is in, but she doesn't want anyone knowing she's in. So she's yeah. there just kind of breathing on her own. Mm-hmm. Hugh, Decker coming home with Valerie because Valerie was because uh, Decker was with Barbara and Valerie at the Nanata's uh, house. So Valerie yeah. kind of comes home with her, finds finds her going into labour and gets an ambulance. Oh, Here, okay, I someone just, else I is going to have to talk about this. I had to fast forward this. Yeah, I'm fainted, so I'm going to say something. So just just we're just going to quickly run through. So they get they're in the ambulance. Valerie is like, you cannot have this baby because it's going to be very bad if you if the baby tries to come out. And then. It, you know, and then she's like screaming and everything else. And then Valerie, like halfway to the hospital, she's like, okay, stop the ambulance. Like we have to do something because there's no way that this baby's going to make it to the hospital for like the doctor. So then she does what she needs to do. I'm not going to say any more than that. And the baby is born, not going to say any more than that. And they keep going. But here's my thing. It's a healthy baby. Say, it's a healthy girl. It's a healthy, it's a healthy, heavy baby I need girl. to say something. And I know this, I was like, don't listen, Alex, but you're going to have to edit this. I'm going to have to edit this. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> The only thing have a first live faint on a podcast. Carry on. <laughs> Nadine was really traumatized because she just keeps thinking back to the man with the knife. Yeah. It's the fact that Valerie's like, don't worry, I'm not going to use a knife. I'm going to use scissors. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, is that really a difference? No. <laughs> But here's my question, though. Like, it's okay, genuinely, then, like I'm hearing it for the first time, by the way, because I had, I did have to fast forward. Carry on. Oh, it's it's really great. And then the thing is, like, the, even the way Valerie, do, like, it's just, I, I don't know. Any woman watching it, any person, I would think watching it would just be like, oh my god. But the thing that I, the thing that I kept wondering as I was watching this whole episode is like, okay, this is Nadifa's cultural tradition. Like, she's gone through this. Her sister's gone through this. Her her generations of women before her have gone through this. When the procedure is carried out, and then she has the when her genitalia looks the way that it looks and it's functioning the way that it's functioning because they even said like it could create problems with like urinary tract infections like problems with menstruation like I mean there's basic functioning that has to happen down there that has to that is designed that way we've evolved that way so that it can happen safely so that everything's going to be able to work okay and my thing is like how did how did any of these people expect that this baby was going to come out because I mean what she had down there was not going to be a viable thing for the childbirth and I just and I I wish there was an explanation of what the cultural process or procedure or expectation is for like for childbirth because my 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 thinking was and this is because of the way Nadifa acted after is that basically they have to do another something to get the baby to come out and then afterwards I guess there's quote a repair where they put you back to what you were before I guess I mean sorry I just but the thing is I just was like how how are women able to safely function as people with this thing and I and I know that that makes me sound probably so ignorant and potentially insensitive of it but I just well like, also just... to be fair like her mum's got her and Decker so she's obviously had multiple children right there's obviously well, and, something and, and, that and an older sister too, because she says my sister, who's older than me, was younger when it happened. She didn't have it so rough as I did. And ba- Valerie visits later because she's coming to check up on her, and she learns that Deck is going to be sent back because she's going to have the procedure done, which we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Um, and Valerie is very incensed by this because yeah. obviously she sees the damage that it's done to Nadifa. But well, also- I did, I did love when Nadifa stood up to Valerie, and because. Same. At the start, yeah, we called her Mrs. Barrett, and I'm not going to try and pronounce her name because I'm not going to be able to. But the fact that in her culture, they don't take the husband's name. So all the way through this, they've been referring to her as Mrs. Barrett, but actually, that's not her name. She keeps her family's name. And she was mm-hmm. saying that women do the procedure, not men. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a male-led. Yeah. Thing. It's, I mean, it's a very, it's a very, um, 
you know, intense cultural conversation to have because, you know, obviously we want to be understanding and sensitive that different cultures do different do different things. Yeah, and, and, and respectful. Like, and I think yeah, that Valerie's terminology wasn't... No, she was coming at it from a very kind of like, you know, gut reaction, like judgmental place, which I, I again, I felt was... was good in the way that it made sense you know like for for who everyone was in that context they were all behaving kind of the way that it made the most sense for them to behave especially for that time period like I don't think I mean you know I know that I know the nurses and everything and, and the midwives are all very very sensitive to their patients and are always like patient first and stuff like that but like you know like cultural competency was not a thing back then it just wasn't yeah. discussed and so I think even though Valerie was clearly so caring and supportive of of Miss Nadifa and did really want to be sensitive to not re-traumatizing her and like also caring for her and her baby in a healthful way and everything she also couldn't kind of put aside the fact that this procedure was really you know like I guess pun intended like foreign to her and she didn't understand it and, and she didn't agree with it and well now- she didn't really listen to the big impassioned speech that uh, the Nadifa said because then she no. went to the boat to try and stop Decker going looking so angry and just as per my daughter oh, walked she- in on that bit and was like <laughs> why is she so angry why is she so angry at her going on the boat I don't know if she was trying to stop her or she was just going to see her off. I don't know. It just looked. Well, I don't know. They were angry. Oh, I think they were angry. Yeah, she was angry, but I think she was just going to see, like, she wasn't going to suddenly take Decker into her custody. And no, no, no. Oh, it did break my heart, though, the way Decker waved at them and said she'd see them after a holiday because she doesn't know what she's going back to. Oh, um, which I is annoying really because she'd be interested in it she would <laughs> and I think that's the issue with this because it is a fine line because it's the fact that this is no one's having this procedure out of an informed decision yeah it's it's being done to a child who yeah. at varying ages well and I I thought Decca I mean again because I thought she was like 10 or 11 I thought oh my god like is that usually the age that they do it like because that would be extremely traumatizing for a child of that age like you would know everything that was being done to you and like oh I don't know I don't my know. Daughter it was, can't it was hard even for me. Have a it was blue hard. jab without kicking off. So <laughs> well, she can't even lose a tooth, can she? Oh yeah. Oh, I no. know. Not not the tooth, but like. But here's the thing, though, that I thought about when Valerie was kind of going when she was kind of criticizing Miss Farah, and they had that kind of fight where Miss Farah like said back to her, "Is that." I don't know why but all of a sudden in my mind I just thought okay so we know what's coming for Valerie in terms of like a very big storyline with her and a member of her family and women's health right no spoilers but it just was it just to me it was just an interesting like in my mind I thought oh Valerie's having like this very interesting experience right now and has this very visceral reaction right now and then down the road anyways we're gonna see a different a different practice of quote female health and it's gonna anyway i don't know it, it's it's a it's, fair it's to she has the same pretty much visceral reaction to that as well i know i know but it's just it's just it was an interesting to me like in my mind it felt like foreshadowing even though i don't know that that could be said that that's what it was but anyways so yeah it was a tough storyline it really was and no offense mm-hmm. to anyone i don't want to carry on should we talk about something else yeah. well <laughs> we, we made I, it I just, without I, alex I know you did. Can I just say one interesting note? And I don't really have a comment about this, but interesting to note that she was very, Mrs. Farrow was very supportive of Decca having the procedure done. But then they say in the epilogue at the end when Mature Jenny is speaking that Mrs. Farrow chose for her own daughter not to have it done. And well, I think that was just a respectful thing to a mum. Like it was a mum's decision, not hers. And I right, think, but, yeah. but again, like, it, like, 
it just it to me it was just an interesting note that like she supported it as as a decision but then she didn't ultimately end up choosing that for her own child and like I think that that cultural like we all have those kind of things like do I do I hold with tradition or do I break with tradition and it was just it was just an interesting footnote to me that they said that so and also that she had a daughter as well yeah. But just to add to that point, and I'm sorry, Alex, that we're still talking about this. When Mr. Kenley kind of repairs her at the end, he she says, like, how how will a man know how I should be sewn? And also, I yeah. I don't think he ever says what age she was when she had the procedure. But the fact that she's now got a daughter, she's maybe not seen what female genitalia should be like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's through having a daughter that actually she sees that she's not unclean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just being left to be, you know, how you, you know, how, how you she- are is, is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to think too, like she's, this child is being born in the early 1960s. So in like, let's say 10 years when it would be quote time for her to go back to Somaliland to have this procedure. That's, I mean, at least for the US, that was the height of the women's liberation movement and like equality for women and stuff. And so I have to think that was pretty much happening in Britain at the same time. So there was maybe like a lot in the air. You know what I mean? Maybe there was a lot of things kind of swirling around and, you know, like getting discussed and like, you know, ways women were thinking about things that were totally like new and quote radical. And so maybe at that time and also having spent perhaps all those intervening years in the UK, maybe she did have a different, you know, kind of view of, you know, all of it. And she had maybe thought about it in a bit bit of a different way. I don't know. So Well, especially if she'd been living in England for 10 years by that point. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a very different culture. Yeah. And imagine Decca like coming back and then like growing up basically in that 10 year span. And then by the time she's in her early 20s, you know, she she had the procedure done to her, but she's decided to pursue a medical degree. Like she's decided to like do all of this stuff. And like she's a young, you know, again, like, you know, modern woman, like living in a Western culture where it's a totally different cultural norm. Again, not to say specifically good or bad about that, but just to say it's very different. And then maybe Decca has an influence on her as well in terms of like deciding what to do with the baby who's now a little girl, you know? So just just kind of curious to think about. So should we talk about Sister Mary? Something else, yes. (laughs) Oh yeah, that the really uplifting uh scene with Sister Mary Cynthia, her whole story. Oh, the first bit of the show where Sister Monica Jones waiting by waiting at Lynchmere to praying for her, trying to look for her. I know, and then and then Cynthia's getting the electroshock therapy and she just and the nurse is like, you know, why are you not fighting anymore? Like, what's what's with the what's with the not fighting it? And she's like, I'm just too tired. And it was Ugh. just so bleak. And then she's put onto a general ward because she's improving. And that ward yeah. was absolutely horrific. And that's with improvement. Like, imagine that that's the improved place you go. Yeah. yeah but yeah. although that ward was horrific, I did think her nurse was lovely because when she the came back was. from the electroshock treatment, she was like, "What you need is a nap and then a nice bath." And I thought, "Oh, lovely, a nap." <laughs> <laughs> she fares it's like bare minimum of kindness and we yeah. were like oh that's amazing yeah yeah they really did because like even even then later on when cynthia like woke up to do her prayer she was like oh ever you have to get back in bed and she's like but i'm supposed to do my prayers upon waking and she's like yeah i really don't care can you get back in bed and then she's like okay i guess i will and then she like realized her bible was gone and she's like well people steal stuff anyway get back in bed okay and <laughs> cynthia was like oh i guess and like you could tell she was just no i'm not like, being funny how common a bible bibles are everywhere Surely she'd well, have been like, she could have been like, oh, do you know what? I'll find you another one. 
Like it didn't have to be that one. At, le- at the very least, at yeah. the literally the very least. I mean, it was just it was just. Uh, and I kind of felt like as I was watching the episode that Cynthia was quote like faking getting better just so that she could get the heck out of there. You know what I mean? Because like think even she seemed a bit more lucid. She did. Well, look, but- this is the thing with the electroshock treatment, isn't it? Because it they see improvement after it, but then it's not a long term solution. And then as the episode goes on, obviously, then as she comes back to Nanata's house, she then starts to struggle again. Yeah. Yeah, but I just I just felt like she was hiding her inner like her inner life from the people at Lynchmere because it was like they don't care. They're not doing anything about it. Like I'm getting the electroshock therapy, which like now again in in 2023 that has had a bit of an evolution as a therapy for people who have certain types of conditions, but the thing is is it's still a very very rare form of treatment and like and my thing was is that like as I was watching the episode I was like what specifically is the issue that Cynthia is struggling with here? Like is it is it a like an anxiety brought on by that traumatic experience of being assaulted? Like is it it's it seemed at times a bit de- like it was a depression like and I'm not saying we have to have a diagnosis but like I was like what is she specific and then she talked a lot about like God and like trying to find her way and not really believing but then like also believing a lot and then like feeling you know like she doesn't feel like she's you know like loved or like remembered or whatever but then Sister Monica Jones says but he like you are always with him and like he does always love you and everything and I was just like I wish they would have given a little bit more clarity to what the what they were what she was dealing with because at times it just felt very vague you know what I mean I was like is this a crisis of faith mixed yeah, with again, other things like is, that like not everything does know. have a solution or an answer do you know what i mean like i think that's yeah, quite I agree. common but, as well that they don't know you will yeah. never never know do you know what i mean yeah but can we talk yeah. about the reunion between sister mary cynthia and sister julianne at the hospital and also sister monica joan it was just absolutely oh it was beautiful it was oh, absolutely beautiful but what was heartbreaking was mrs archibald Oh, the the Bible scene. Yeah, that one made me really sad. Did they ever? Was there any extra scene where they gave anything else about her? Like, were there anything was? Well, this might have been a a, this might have been a deleted scene for you because they the nurse explains to Cynthia that she's had a lobotomy. Oh, we had that. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that was the concept. No, but that was so tragic. Like the way she said the lobotomy, I was like, oh my god. I mean, oh the oh that yeah because then the day that. The day that, and I'm I'm kind of splitting between calling her Sister Mary Cynthia and Cynthia because at the end she decides she wants when she goes to Northfield she decides to be called Cynthia. Yeah. But when when the nurse says that somebody's come to collect someone and Mrs Archibald gets so excited she thinks it's going to be her son, I just think, oh, I know it's so sad. I, tell I you know. What, though, Jen, on the Sister Monica, Sister Mary Cynthia thing, SMC, I'm calling her. She, mm-hmm. I think it does show she's come quite far because that Bible was a real comfort for her in there. And yeah. when she finds out that Miss Arch- Mrs Archibald's stolen it, she's just like, you keep it. Like, it was really nice of her to do that. It was um, really nice. But then she comes back. So but I did think that did show some Mary improvement. Obviously, then she comes back and she is struggling at the Nanata's house. She thought she wouldn't be because she's got quiet. She's got peace that she didn't have at the Lynchmere. But then she goes in to Compline and she's there and she's really struggling and she's quiet. But did you see who else was in Compline? The other yeah, nun in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> that could be us. Just saying. <laughs> Why are they so, so short-staffed at the Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Nurse's house and there's all those nuns loitering somewhere. I, I know. I know. Okay, so the thing with Cynthia, Sister Mary Cynthia too that I notice is her bedroom. They put her in this really large, massive bedroom with like all the all this furniture and like carpeting and everything else. I don't know if the other girls have carpeting or not, but I just after yeah, but they're all crammed it, in together. No, yeah. I know that's it what was I'm a saying. Big room with that's, one for desk. Yeah, and a dresser and all this other stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like I like I hadn't noticed it as much in the past, but now when I was watching it and they put her in that room, I was like, oh my god, this is so clearly like a bigger and nicer room yeah. than the than the other but girls get. Trixie and Valerie in one box room. I know I'm obsessed with the with the room situation, but um, you know, and then you've got Phyllis and Barbara in another. You know, yeah. with, with the they've had to put tape across to see who's there, and they've not got a room. All I'm saying is, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And the other thing that I was going to say about Cynthia is I'm glad that Dr. Turner finally got her to go to the place that he went that he was so restorative for him, which I think is really, really good. Yeah, no, I like the way that the, I like the way that um, that nurse came out and she was like, Oh, I'm nurse something something, but everyone calls me Barry because her last name is Barrington. I thought that was so great. And then she said, what, should, what would you like us to call you? And she said, Just call me Cynthia. And girls, this is a wild conjecture because obviously we have no idea what really happens. And I don't even know if we see Cynthia again after this but I don't think she's gonna stay in on just I'm just putting it out there like I just don't think she's gonna stay in on I know she is you know like oh I want to start with my postulant and stress and like then I can kind of rebuild from there or whatever but I think it's hard I to, to stay devoted to something that you're not quite sure about why you're being devoted to it so I think you're right well the thing do you is know what like, I do think's helped is she, what is she studying for like her long-term vows or something I guess it's now the right time for her to be doing that well that's what she's I thought just, Sister Julianne is very much like, now is the time to rest and replenish your spirit. It's not the time to be studying and stressing about an exam. Well, the thing is, is that like, and I don't mean to say this in any way as a criticism of Cynthia, because I absolutely adore and love Cynthia in every way. But like, the thing is, is that like, I feel that the way that Sister Julianne is, and the way that Sister Monica Joan and Sister Evangelina, and even Sister Winifred are, is that they feel like very settled and like secure in their like place as nuns first in their faith yeah yeah and and then it's like you know whatever challenges we may have like me being a nun and me being like in this role like very devoted to this you know like life choice is kind of like that's that's rock solid for them and with Cynthia I feel like you know she was a midwife first and then she kind of you know came to it I mean even Jenny like literally real Jenny like in her books talked about how much like being around Sister Monica Joan and the other women like the other nuns like really affected her faith life and like gave her like a really powerful connection to faith that she hadn't had before and so then it sounds like from the books that she like went on in her real life to have like an actual faith you know like experience like you know like she was actually like went to church and did all that kind of stuff like, or had a very like strong spiritual life but with, with with Cynthia while I don't doubt her sincerity in becoming a nun and like doing all of that I kind of feel like it didn't 
it didn't have that same quality. And I just wonder if like all of this experience and everything that she's going through now is going to like maybe lead her to a different outcome where, you know, she still has a really strong connection to, you know, her faith, but that she's just not going to be a nun anymore, you know, that she's going to find another way to like fulfill a faithful vocation and do that. Uh, again, this is just my thinking, but anyway. Just, just also on the Sister Mary Cynthia, just before we move on, I want to talk about the Trixie and Sister Mary Cynthia scene, <gasps> about how moving that was. I oh. kind of like this, but I, it annoyed me that Sister Julienne was gatekeeping. Yeah. But I will <laughs> say, I don't think she was gatekeeping in a Sister Ursula kind of way, in a I'm more important than you, I'm going to look after her way. I think she was doing it purely out of making sure that Sister Cynthia, Sister Mary Cynthia had lots of peace and rest. Like, I think she knew how troubled she was and she didn't want to be in trouble yeah. anymore. I think yeah. she was wrong. I think Trixie would have been absolute balm to her. But yeah. I think that's why she did so, it. So Trixie nipping in to give her a nice soap would have been too much, but studying for exams was fine. Well, no, but Sister <laughs> Julian didn't want her to do that. Cynthia did that on her own, remember? Also, as we're talking about saying goodbye scenes, the Sister Monica Jones scene saying oh. goodbye to Sister Mary Cynthia. Oh, my goodness. Sister Monica Joan is one of the best actresses. She emotes through the screen. Oh. When she was saying goodbye to Sister Mary Cynthia, I just I just burst into tears. Oh, I was sobbing the whole time, girls. I was sobbing the whole time. Forget it. Ugh, no. It was so good. So beautiful. So beautiful. I feel like I feel like Sister Monica Joan, for a long time now, like a long time now, because we're into series five, I guess. Is Six. that right? Six. Six. Oh lord. Um, but yeah, like she's been this, this way for a long time. But like her evolution from like where I thought of her in the first few seasons to where she is now, I mean, night and day. Like her ability to, you know, I mean, she's still kind of like Looney Tunes at times and like a bit, you know, kind of annoying here and there. But like honestly, like her ability to just connect and like be there for other people and like just have a depth that is oh it's anyways yeah she really had me going I was I was crying so much at this episode for, for so many reasons and with so many storylines but just that one for real for real yeah anyway we talk um, about tennis oh yes yeah, so my, kind my... Of, we've kind of covered this anyway about the house move obviously I'm sorry you know, but there is nothing you. more there is nothing more real than when when Sheila walked into the house and and she was like oh my god Patrick one more box and he's like there's always one more and, and when I I tell you there is nothing more true than there is always one more box like I can't even tell you like there were so many times where I was like we're getting close to the end we've packed it all and then like 10 boxes later we would still have like one more box to pack and like oh my word girls it was I a first scene that really annoyed me with the Turners so Dr. Which Turner one? and Tim are sat at the table waiting for their food to be cooked for them right oh Sheila <laughs> who's just recovering from bed rest yeah by Sheila saying not to talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis near because they don't want to worry her. They'll let her make food. They'll let her plan <laughs> the whole move. They'll let her do everything there. They'll, t- they'll let her do... They're like, oh, where's the, where's the tomato ketchup? Oh, it's packed. Well, why is it packed? Well, why have you not packed it, mate? Why have you let well, it all also, go on to her? Also, by the way, she's not only packed, like, probably everything, but she's like, well, me and Angela, like, I've done everything for us. Like, all you two have to worry about is yourselves. You know what I mean? I yeah, just... but that's my point. They're like, oh, don't worry her. Well, but you're like, you're absolutely fine with her worrying about the whole of the move, all logistics how, on that. How is the existential threat of nuclear crisis, like, any, like, more real 
deal or pressing on her than like literally packing up every possession that she has ever owned like into her home and then organizing a whole move across town and, I'm and cooking you. for them yes as someone who literally has just said it I can tell you I would be less concerned about nuclear war than I was about my home move over the last two months and all the headaches that caused me okay like I, I don't have any control over nuclear bombs but I do have control over the fact that I'm not gonna have a place to live and like a you know like a pot to piss in and like something to eat you know what I mean <laughs> like just to say I know which one's more stressful I can tell you it's not the one they think it is okay oh, oh it's horrible moving out it's horrible oh man um, I'm oh the scene with the so, empty like, house though when they when they did show those two the box and the and the cot it was a lovely yeah. scene like had the house fully empty and uh you didn't you didn't really realize what it looked like before because they've only been like snatches before haven't they with lots of furniture yeah yeah also oh. like wait can i just like beat this drum again because i know i've said this also many times before but like that's like when dr turner and tim were standing in the house and he was like and it actually was both like i i'm gonna have a criticism but then like like a loving comment as well like my criticism is like i felt like that they again did so much like erasure over like Tim's mom and like Dr. Turner's first wife again because they just kind of like glossed over that whole part of the fact that like this is Tim's like like home where he like has literally lived his whole life and like how like sad and intense it is to like leave that so that's my criticism but then my criticism is like kind of offset and or maybe even just like invalidated in my own mind even because and again I was sobbing this whole episode but like this scene also really got me but when Dr. Turner said that like like it's not the house that has the memories it, the memories come with us and like that just really, really, really spoke to me in like such a big way because I definitely like, I mean, I've moved many times and like I've, you know, had those feelings before, but like obviously because I'm still so close to it and everything, like the house that we left was, you know, like that was a real home for us. And like, it really like, you, I did kind of have this feeling of like again even though I know better like I did kind of think like well are we just going to leave like all of this behind because we're not going to be in this home anymore and when Dr. Turner said that about like you know like it's not the house that has the memories it's like us who has the memories and like everything that we did here is going to stay with us and like come with us as we go to the new place like I just found that so absolutely like beautiful and reassuring and I just like I obviously like really felt it intensely on like a personal level but like also I just thought it was a beautiful thing in the show and like I felt like it genuinely was so loving and comforting to Tim and like I know we always joke about Dr. Turner being a terrible parent but the thing is that was actually like a really good and beautiful moment of parenting and I just it, anyway. does, it does affect you a move like that you think it won't but I'm I my parents moved into my house that I grew up in two months before I was born so that's the only house I lived in, the, in with them and then yeah. they moved out when I was 34 I didn't live there anymore but they were living there they moved out when I was 34 and I had so many dreams about that house when they first moved yeah and it was just it was quite traumatic for me and I never thought it would be because I haven't lived there for a while and it was just really strange it, it caught me off guard because I didn't think it'd have any effect on me yeah yeah because I was more annoyed about the fact they were hoarding when we were trying to help them move. You know, we, we, we put stuff away to the side, and then the moment you find it again in a cupboard, I'm like, Mom. <laughs> Do you know, I have to be really—I have to be really careful if I take stuff to a charity shop because I'm like, I have to go to one that's far away. Because I'm like, if I don't, my mum's just going to buy this back and be like, Oh, look what I've got here. <laughs> Well, I'd say you're one of the least hoarding people I know, Bex. Like, you have a really, really good ability to, like, clear out and get rid of things. and like If, really if, keep if anything, house, it's like, a problem not. the other way. You get rid of too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I don't need that anymore. You're like, Bex, that's literally like... <laughs> oh, speaking about hoarding, I've told you to, but I've literally spent the whole of my day yesterday in my daughter's, my six-year-old daughter's bedroom, getting rid of a load of <laughs> uh, old toys for Christmas. So we've actually got room for new crap to come in. So I'm just there getting rid of loads of stuff on my porn. Oh, it's been awful. But I spent like six hours yesterday just going through like 
four years worth of just ridiculousness. <laughs> well, even she said, like, so she got on the call before we started and she was like, it took hours. <laughs> it's so funny to hear this little girl just go, it took, it took hours. <laughs> yeah, do you know what she did during it? Just played with a load of toys. Oh, I like that. I started playing with that again. Oh, and I love it's one of those like... things where you pull everything out and you're like, oh, I'm going to sort this out. And then halfway through, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But you've like gone oh, past God. the point of return. Yeah, I that's what I poured everything out onto the floor because I thought if I don't do this, I'm not going to carry on. So I just yeah. poured it all out so no one could walk on it. So then I had to do it. Otherwise, we just couldn't yeah. do it that day. Also, well, she asked was... this morning for a Barbie that came with four kittens. I said, you've got a Barbie and you've got a load of kittens. So she's like, no, I haven't. I went into a room and because I'd arranged everything the day before, I pulled out this <laughs> drawer and counted out six kittens in like two seconds. I was like, there's your kittens. There's your Barbie. <laughs> you ain't getting well, a Barbie was... with kittens well... for Christmas. What was the one that she asked for nice. last week? It was the um the Barbie that you could style the hair and do the makeup. What was that? Yeah, yeah, and she had that in there again. <laughs> well, the, the main thing she's it... asked for this year is a Day of the Dead doll. So you know, <laughs> normal behavior for a six year old. Dios de la muertes, mama. I want yeah. that. Yeah. Oh god. That's anyway, so sorry, sorry. Shall we move on to Trixie? Yeah, no. just to say the move the move went off without a hitch, but their house cost literally twenty five hundred dollars, which like kill me right now with that price. And, and then massive... also Do you know what though? Did you, you did you see the house? It's like a big it's like a council house built in the sixties that um, they're, yeah. they're still yeah, there's loads of houses like that still. But yeah. I thought it looked very overgrown for a house that obviously they filmed a house that was built around that time. Oh, but yeah. Not done anything yeah. to make it look new on the outside. Like there's still loads of overgrown plants <laughs> and stuff outside that have been there years. And you're a bit like, you'd have pulled that back for this scene to make it look new, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, and what was funny was that Sheila had told Sheila had told the moving man the correct address, but he had written it down wrong. So he went to Kent. So they had none of their stuff. No, I think they're saying that Pat- she wrote it. She wrote it really badly. Her writing's terrible. Oh, really? Really? Oh, I, yeah. I took that wrong. Okay. And then Patrick called the electric company to tell them to switch on the electrics, but I guess he told them the wrong date or they wrote down the wrong date or something like that. And so they didn't have electricity in the house. So it's like, we don't have anywhere to sleep. We don't have anything to like, you know, have as like power. So then the last scene, which was really cute actually, was when they were all in like sleeping bags, like calling back to their camping vacation. And they were just basically like camping out in their new house for the night. But which... also they were like, oh, we're so lucky, aren't we lucky? I thought who actually speaks like that? Who like sits there going, we're so lucky. Well, they're kind of like, I mean, I love the Turners, but they are like sweet to the point where you're just like, well, a certain, every once in a while, you know, they just get to be a bit much. And that's sometimes. something coming from an American. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Especially me as well, where it's like, yeah, it's never true. too much. I, know. I was about to say, we know other Americans best. <laughs> Chen is very much... <laughs> Schmaltz. I know, I know. Oh, I'm, so, I'm I'm the most schmaltzy, corny person. I, I just know I am. So um, last episode, before this, Trixie met Christopher Dockerill, the mm-hmm. the dentist with the... I was trying to say dentist with the mostest. That doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had lovely tea. So she went... Did she go on a date with him? She did, yeah. Well, she did it. at the end of the episode. Yeah, she was wearing that gold dress and they no, went no, out No, on the fit last episode. Yeah, they did. No. They went on a date. Did they? Yeah, because she and Barbara left at the same time. Barbara was yes. in a teal cocktail yeah, dress and Trixie he was in a gold, like, stretchy dress. He was, we thought that we... Him. Not into we saw the sports car. With him. Well, she said she's like, I, well, no, I didn't get it either. Like she said, she didn't want to appear too keen. But girls, do we not? Do we not remember the scene with her and Phyllis, where Phyllis gives her like all this wonderful advice? Because he came in and he was like had the flowers, and she talked to him for like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, or whatever. Yeah, but before that, she'd rebuffed his phone call with Sister Julianne. She'd yeah. also been like, oh, I'm not in, or kind of thing. I don't know why she was. If she'd already been on a date with him, why was she being like that? Well, because she, I think she got swept up in the moment, and she was like, yeah, let's go on. A 
date and then like after the date and it went really well she was like well I don't want to appear too keen but then Phyllis is like well yeah but there's too keen and then like actually like really putting somebody off and right. she's like I know but like I'm just scared like you know like what if like it's kind of I can't remember what she said about being scared but it was like is it too good to be true or like what happens if he turns out to be like such a jerk or like I really want to be like with somebody but then like I'm also afraid that I'm like not really ready or whatever like that because you know she's still like you know kind of settling into things with the yeah. with I guess whatever and then Phyllis gave a really really amazing advice which I just was like oh my god Phyllis you were like Phyllis is tr- for like and this is the thing I love about it even though Phyllis is a single woman she still is the most wise relationship advice giver of anybody on the show anybody on the show bar none that is my opinion I she she speaks to relationship so well and actually when she said to Trixie about like not being afraid and like going for it it really made me think of how like even though she got burned like she went for it with like Mr. What's-His-Face the one from the Spanish class you know she's willing to put herself out there you know like I just know just talking about dating as well in the 60s like how brutal was it that Christopher Dockrell had to go <laughs> and knock on a door with some flowers, be greeted by a nun, I have know, a massive like, him. yeah, have a massive like lecture about mercury fillings. <laughs> then Nurse Crane's like, "Oh, great, you're here. Come in," and he has to go and speak to these two old women. Nowadays, <laughs> they just text or swipe on Tinder. They don't know how good they've got it in the sixties. Oh. Craft. They know oh. that's the true meaning of graft. None of this Love Island rubbish. They're grafting. I don't, but I don't, know, I don't know if I wish we could go back to that time or not. I don't know if I'd want... I mean, modern no, dating is absolutely terrible. Because she was like, there's no... She, she didn't want him to look a fool having to walk away with a bouquet. Yeah, she advocated. And I oh, love I the way like she that. called him... She called him Trixie's gentleman caller. I know. <laughs> but I love I the way it took basically a threat of a nuclear war to get her to ring him. <laughs> but all, but also, how good was Nurse Crane with the Cubs, considering that she didn't want to do it? I know. Oh, she's <laughs> amazing. She's amazing. Also, I can we just it. talk about the date? So, Christopher Dockerel's like, we can go anywhere in London, anywhere at all, do anything you want. And she just wanted to sit on his car bonnet and snog him. And I'm a bit like, <laughs> what about the Ritz, mate? You could go to the Ritz, or <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to sit on a car bonnet. Get piles. I think that was kind of cute. Like, you know, I thought it was nice. I, I liked when it. he put her I, I liked when he put her coat around him. Um oh. when he put her coat around her, I guess. Yeah. Um that could never happen to me. The coat wouldn't fit. It would like barely be like a scarf <laughs> around my neck. <laughs> now, did you see the scene of Fred and Violet dancing in the home as well? Oh, they were so great. Oh, wait. So actually, let's just transition just slightly. You guys, Fred's overalls, again, make like another appearance. I, I clocked them every time now. Oh, my God. I, I freaking love those overalls. It's like I'm looking at you. <laughs> the thing that made me laugh, like, so the, so the Cuban Missile Crisis actually it is what prompted Trixie and, and Chris to go on the date and everything. The thing with Christopher that I keep on thinking is like, I feel like he's one of those guys that like, this is going to sound really rude, but like, if I saw him, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he is cute but then like I wouldn't think he was like that amazing but like as he gets to be like a sweeter and sweeter guy like it's kind of where you think he's like much much better looking do you know what I mean I think they've chosen him because he's really good looking if I'm honest well like... he, is re- he is really good looking but I don't know there's something like oh, this is gonna sound so rude but like he's very handsome but there's something also slightly kind of like goofy to me about his like <laughs> way I mean, if you're listening, if you're listening, actor who plays Christopher Duffel or any of his family, <laughs> we do apologise. That is not a, a podcast I endorsed. I it's don't mean Jen. in a bad way. It's just it's one of those things where, like, like to me, like if you said, like, like, like I think, like Tom is like how many likes you gonna class- get in this? Sorry. 
I think Tom is like a bit more like kind of classically like good looking in, in a certain type of way than Christopher. But I feel like and Tom is a, is a sweet guy too. So that's not a criticism of Tom. But like, I feel like Christopher is one of those guys that like because of his personality and everything he is and does and like all that kind of stuff like that, then he just ends up like going up and up and up. And then like you when you look at him, you're like, oh my gosh, most handsome guy in the room, like no questions asked. It's not it didn't mean it to be like that rude of a thing. But just like, I feel like Tom, like Christopher is kind of one of those guys that like grows on you over time, which I feel like he kind of did with Trixie, honestly. Got it. So I'm just dazzled by his teeth. Ever since I saw his teeth in that episode, oh, well, really his, good his teeth. teeth. His teeth are a 10, like unequivocal 10. Yeah. But the thing that I found really interesting about this, and this, oh, 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 I remember what I wanted to mention about Cynthia before we moved on. So the Cuban Missile Crisis is interesting that it's happening. I kind of think of the Cuban Missile Crisis as being a very American thing because it's like our history and like it was JFK and not that it's like only ours. I don't mean it that way, but just like I wouldn't have thought that like, I mean, we get taught about it in school and everything. It's like, a, it's a yeah, big yeah, we did, we did. Too. But I just didn't, I guess, watching this episode I was kind of surprised at how big of an impact it was having globally you know which makes total sense in hindsight but like at the same time it just hadn't registered with me that that would be the way that it was but and this is like purely a coincidence, but it was interesting to me that they referenced a lobotomy in the episode about the Cuban Missile Crisis, because one of the things that about it is that JFK, one of his sisters, I actually looked this up while we were, while we were, um, on our break was Rosemary Kennedy was his younger sister. And she had, you know, some mental health issues or whatever. I'm not 100% sure, but there was a lot of things going on with her. And she actually was had a had a lobotomy performed on her. And she was never mm. the same after that. And she was always kind of hidden away after it happened. And she was really young when it happened. She was like 23. I knew this because of TikTok, you know, our main source of information on this. Yeah, character. yeah, basically the modern encyclopedia that is TikTok. And, yeah. and she and it was a huge shame and like grief and terrible legacy of their family that this happened to her because as soon as it was over they realized you know how terrible it was and like what was really what had really been done to her but it was just interesting to me that even though I'm sure it wasn't really related but like that they had a woman who was a victim of a lobotomy in the episode and then anyway well the Kennedys are fascinating though aren't they oh the Kennedys are a fascinating family like a truly fascinating family yeah yeah but just to get so while we're talking about Kennedys Let's go carry on with the Cuban Missile Crisis. So Nurse Crane comes in with the Cubs and Fred is just starting up his CDL meeting at the same time. It's like on the end of the Cubs. He's just setting it up while the Cubs are still in there and the CDL are yeah. going to meet up. Well, Nurse Crane blasts Fred and the CDL for having the nuclear poster around the Cubs. And I just thought it was actually, I love Fred, but it was a bit yeah. of a misthought by him. And I, I just really appreciate the way she obviously loves them and went to bat for them. Yeah, yeah. I was loving the fact that Fred was advocating that they should all paint their windows white because that was (laughs) going to deflect a nuclear blast. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I literally was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I've, oh my, I was like, as if white paint on glass windows is going to do absolutely well, have you ever, Has either of you ever read the book Threads? No. no. I oh, I was obsessed with it. So when we were in our last year at primary school, we read the book Threads. Looking back, what were my teachers thinking, giving like 10-year-olds <laughs> this book about nuclear war? It was horrific. It's a really dark, dark, dark thing. And there was a TV show about it as well on, on BBC. Really dark. But I I was obsessed with nuclear war when I was like 11 onwards for a little bit. <laughs> now we know where my daughter gets the dark side from. But yeah, it was absolutely horrific. But they had all tips like that in that as well. Like what you needed to do, get stuff to board your windows open. And I was oh, there having dreams about us doing it in our house, where we do it in our house. And even to this day, I still think about where we'd go and what we do. We've got a cupboard under the stairs. That's where we go. But that kind of thing, like thinking about Perfect. it all the time. Yeah. You you were very much like this because when we lived in uni, you would quiz us on what our escape route out of the house would be <laughs> and you 
you lived in the loft you were gonna there was like in the eaves where there were cupboards you were gonna if an attacker came into your room you were gonna get into the eaves crash through the floor into my room into your bed yeah onto your bed yeah. you had a, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you were gonna exit the building what before they'd even known where you'd gone yeah I, I, the other thing is i think about if armed robbers come in where would i go what would i do like i've got to be taken hostage again i'll tell you why when we were little do you remember terry Waite and john mccarthy Yes. They were taken hostage. I was obsessed with them. And I used to watch the news to find out if they'd, you know, been like set free and stuff. Again, my parents are not responsible there. So uh, I was obsessed with it and really worried about them. So that's where that's come from as well. Like I'm going to be kidnapped. No one would want to kidnap me. But yeah. Yeah. When I lived in New York, my friend and I, one of my best friends, she lived in the apartment right above me and we were in a building. So I was on the second floor and she was on the third floor. And for the first time that for, her boyfriend ended up moving in, but at the beginning when it was just her, we decided that we were going to have like a, an, an action plan. If like either one of us had any, anything happen to us, like it was like, here's how we're going to call each other on like, you know, the phone. And then like, you know, what like signals we'll send each other in the building to alert the other one that, you know, something has happened. And like, one of us can like take refuge in the other one's apartment if anything goes on wrong or whatever like that. And, you know, yeah, nothing ever happened, but we definitely did that work for sure. No, it's not just <laughs> me being an absolute weirdo. Uh, oh, also, no, 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 no. One more thing I want to say about nurse crane saying that she said so sheila had these magazines from that she was doing a big clear out she brought them to the clinic saying oh there's some nice fashion editorials in there and nurse crane said i've never needed an editorial to tell me how to put myself together and i've never had any complaints just made me (laughs) absolute lol the shade I love her. Who I was not liking was Sister Winifred because she's learning to drive. Oh, that was lols though with the with the cushion. It was funny, but I didn't like the attitude she had towards Nurse Crane. <laughs> Considering that Sister Winifred has just decided that she's gonna learn to drive and then she's gonna drive Nurse Crane's car. Well, she's acting like people are making her learn how to drive, and it's like, no, babes, nobody asked for this. Like you're the one who wanted it, and now you're acting like it's this big chore and everything. Like you don't don't have to learn how to drive if you don't want to like my goodness it's true right yeah. shall we do heroes and zeros yes yes who's going first i'll do mine first <gasps> oh my goodness Ooh, that's the I biggest know. shock of the series <laughs> shock and surprise shock and surprise okay i always want i like to do my zeros first so i can i can end on a high note so my zero is gonna be there's a lot going on in this episode that really makes me sad but my zero is gonna be miss what's oh the lady who had the lobotomy I, Mrs. Archibald. Mrs. Archibald. Yeah, there's just a lot of sad stuff. She only took it. She only took a Bible. I know, and I just felt really sad for her. You know, like she had the lobotomy that was terrible. She also like kept. Why are you making a zero? No, I think well, she's saying what because of what happened to her. Not like not not the fact (laughs) that she stole off Cynthia. No, <laughs> no, I just feel like what happened to her is the zero, and I just feel really right. sad for her. Yeah, right. because, like, because she was a victim, and like she had that horrible procedure, and then she was waiting for somebody that was never going to come. And then even when she had like a moment of connection with Cynthia, which was very sweet, then that was like Cynthia leaving, and then she knew that that was like she was gone. And and I just feel like she's probably a very like lonely person, and like Lynchmere is just a very like cold and I think relatively unsympathetic place. So I just I felt really bad for her and like I just my heart really goes out to people who are you know in that kind of in that kind of situation so okay so that's my zero very very sad my hero is Phyllis I just I just love her I just absolutely adore Phyllis so much like if I could be the Barbara to her if 
I just would every single day. Like, I think her advice is always so great. Like, she is the relationship expert. Like, she's helped Patsy and Delia. She's helped Trixie. Like, she she's helped Barbara and Tom. Like, she just, and then she just is like, and even like the Cubs, like, she's so protective of them in exactly the right way. And like, you know, she like, she never like goes easy, but she's always so like loving and comforting. And, you know, she's just, she's just such a great lady. And I just love her and I feel like she just had like so many moments to shine in this episode she's also hilarious and anyway and I love her like insane like curls in her hair that she pins up with like all the cotton around her ear lobes and everything it's just so funny so I just love her that's it next my zero is gonna be Dr. Turner okay because he constantly is aware of what's stressing Sheila out and what could be done to help her, but never does anything personally <laughs> to help the situation. Yeah. Involved in that. That's don't need to worry about that. That's not his business. <laughs> and then my hero. Now, I feel like my hero should be Val because she stood up to Nadifa, but then at the end she was very condescending to Nadifa. Mm. So I'm not gonna have her. I was gonna have Phyllis. I'm gonna have Fred. Because he kept going to collect Sister Monica Joan from the Lynchmere. And I just thought that was... And you could see that he'd literally just rolled out of bed and gone to get her. Yeah. And he wore those amazing overalls again. So my hero was going to be Phyllis. And my zero was going to be Dr. Turner for both of them. So I will change mine. (laughs) My hero is going to be Sister Mary Cynthia for coming through complete adversity and doing amazing. And I really, really hope that she does well at at the North Field. I so she's so. my hero. And I just think, I just think, you know, she's getting herself. She's really trying. And I just think, bless her. I just love her. My zero is going, it was going to be the doctor because I don't like it. But at the same time, he wasn't Wait, actually the that doctor, bad. The doctor at St. Cuthbert's? Yeah. Oh, but no. it wasn't actually that bad too. Nadifa it's just the way he is. So he wasn't actually terrible. So my zero is going to be Trixie for just basically ghosting 1962's ghosting of uh, Christopher Dockerel making him go into the thing into a nunnery with flowers like my goodness mate what making a man work you know what I mean I know it worked out fine but it's not it's amazing that ghosting didn't exist until recently because honestly like no better time to ghost than like in the past when like well if you remember what you call his husband Marnie's husband he ghosted yeah but like that's the thing like back then like you could literally like up and leave and no one would be able to know where you were or find you like at all like you could you could just I mean think about like the cliche about like oh you know like so and so went out to like pick up a gallon of milk and they never came home you know what I mean you just like never see them ever again like it's just wild that ghosting didn't exist until like well, just not that term. long ago yeah anyway right just really quickly i've got some comment listeners okay so jane on instagram says i love the podcast recall the midwives it's so good please continue releasing episodes please well jane we're recording one right now and you're mentioned on it oh yeah i've also got a message from one of our listeners who you actually sent cards to and she's received yours jen loves it sent photos was very very oh. pleased becky you slack him yeah in the post <laughs> well listen it's up it's up to the it's up to the uh, post office gods now so she'll get in just a little bit i'm sure yeah, yeah okay now also on instagram we had a message from lucy who says hey girls i just wanted to say i'm 18 well i'm not being funny but we are down with the kids oh my and god I've, and i've recently moved to uni and just wanted to say i absolutely love call the midwife and your podcast is something i've found because uni can be lonely but I always pop your podcast on. It makes me feel so safe and just less alone. I love laughing along with you guys. So just a massive thank you. Please don't stop your podcast. And thanks for keeping me company. Oh, oh Now, I did actually reply being like, oh my goodness, you'll get loads of friends. And she's like, no, no, I've got loads of friends. It's fine. It's just, uh... 
<laughs> but like at night and stuff, it gets a bit lonely. I was like, all right, fair enough. Oh, it, you know what though? Like good for you because honestly it is, it is hard to kind of like go out there on a limb, like, and like leave home and like start that process of like being in college. And just to say like, I know you're doing amazing, but like we're rooting for you and like it will get better. And like, she already lives it, Jen. She's absolutely living her best I life. I know, I know, but it's just, oh, I just, I remember that time of life. And like, I just want her to like love it all. Well, I actually I'm did sorry. a story to her about how me and you didn't really know each other until like just before Christmas. So it'd been a few I months. I know, I know. And then she was like, yeah, yeah, no, honestly, I'm fine. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad we can be part of the friends she has at uni. Okay, now another one from Rebecca on Instagram. She says, yeah. I have been giggling at the absolute hatred of Sister Urshel. I don't know who that could have been. <laughs> as much as I also hated the character I also felt it refreshing for a somewhat realistic version of a nun in that time yeah. frame and before they were horrible and she's totally right just think mother baby homes in Ireland although I love a calm Sunday oh. show the reality is they may not have all been that accepting and open so for me it was nice to see some reality of some nuns so that's yep. actually a very good point that she also says true. also just wanted to say thank you all for my weekly calm love it actually maybe that's why we don't see any of the bonus nuns from Compline because they're the awful ones yeah yeah they suck yeah. they're like we refuse to go and help a mother having a baby <laughs> now two people stephanie nicholson and erin jones have also said jen when you were saying about the bobby baby thing apparently yeah. it's the opening song from the musical company so that <gasps> could be why you thought it was something i worked on company when i was in theater oh my gosh bobby baby oh my goodness thank there you, you go. so much listeners i yeah i did i did company in one summer stock that i did when i was yeah oh my god wow that was like amen yeah. to you so thank we'll you. have more listeners contributions and questions and messages and stuff next week i'm, I'm more into the throngs of it now i've uh, i've got my head around the surgery we're getting there <laughs> <laughs> so we will do more of it. But uh, but yeah, so next week we shall be doing and watching and talking about Series 6, Episode 7. We would love for you to listen along. Yeah. We're getting so close to the end of the season in a Christmas episode. Yeah. Exciting. And it's almost Christmas. It is. We're really going to try to have the, the Christmas episode air in time for Christmas so that we can all... It's not a very Christmassy episode, I'll tell you that. Oh, I forget. I don't know. I don't Christmas know. is fleeting. Well, well, we'll my favourite is my favourite episode. I keep rewatching it. I find it really comforting. Well, that's I'm the beauty so of this show. Yeah. Right. Thank you so, so much for listening. We'll see you next week, everyone. See you next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.